0: My name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening.
1: Okay, someone pass the box of Kleenex. I need a tissue. I have been watching old home movies. How many of you listening right now have old VHS tapes or the little VHS that we had in the 90s? I don't even know what they were called. Or any type of old film sitting in your basement and maybe you don't even remember what is on them? Well, that was me and I've been meaning and meaning to get my film digitized and my VHS digitized and put on the cloud to be able to to watch and view and I don't know, I don't like VHS they're so old. I don't want them to, you know, get so old they're not even playable anymore. So I'm like, finally I'm going to do this. Um, I found this company right here in Northeast Ohio called enjoyagain.net enjoyagain.net. First of all, it was fabulous. Those of you who are Browns fans, it's uh, Brian Hoyer's dad, who used to be a quarterback here in Cleveland, and he is the nicest, best guy. Um, I gave him like 14 old tapes (laughs) and VHS, all the way back to when I was little, in the 80s, to my oldest daughter, who was little in the early 2000s, who had never seen herself as a baby before. And It was just, it was crazy. I actually did it for my dad for Father's Day this year because dad doesn't need another tie. (laughs) And I just feel like I always get him the same thing. So I'm like, I'm going to take some of these old movies from the 80s of me and my dad when I was little and get them digitally done so he can watch them again. We can all watch them together. And I couldn't wait for Father's Day. They turned out so incredible that I had to give them to him early and he loved it. It was so cool to be able to watch those with him. But um, the cool thing about enjoyagain.net was that um, Axel Hoyer is his name. He actually comes to your home, picks up all your movies. He puts them all on DVD, puts them all in a thumb drive, and he puts them on a cloud drive. And then he'll actually drive back all of your movies. So like, it's kind of, I don't know, I just thought it kind of was weird to send all of my movies off somewhere to a place I didn't know and what if something happened and it was just nice and personal and I just loved it and he really was the best guy and boy lesson learned to make and take lots of video for your kids my daughter Reagan my youngest she was just so excited to see all these home movies but she looked up at me at one point and was like mom I can't wait to show my kids all my old home movies And in that moment, I just knew, oh, this was so worth it to get all of this done. So many rushing memories. And here was the other crazy thing. I've been reading and learning a lot about memories and how we remember things. And sometimes we don't remember them exactly how they were. Well, it's very true. I have a couple fond memories of me and my dad. And when I watched back some of these home movies, those were the memories I had. And (laughs) just seeing them in more detail. And it was like, oh, that wasn't exactly how I remembered it. It it was very cool to see. So enjoyagain.net. I highly recommend you getting it done. And by the way, it's super affordable and he just does a great job. Okay, before we get in to to today's episode, I wanted to talk about those memories because I think it's so important to preserve those, I know I am pretty nostalgic, but I do think it's important to preserve the memories that we have and just always keep them for our kids. But the other thing I wanted to talk about today was something that really hit me, and I apologize in advance if I've already talked about this, but it was was really good, and sometimes I forget what I talk about on air and what I talk about on the podcast, but I've always been a person that just is really busy. We're all really busy, right? And I have had this like badge of honor sometimes of like doing it all and multitasking and keeping it all together. And I was listening to someone talk recently and I don't even remember who it was. And they were a successful, uh, I think screenwriter in Hollywood or, or something like that. I don't even remember their name, but on the interview, the person asked them, you know, how do you do it all? You know, you're, you're this Hollywood screenwriter, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a daughter. You're like, how do you keep up with things? How do you do it all? And this is the first time I've ever heard someone answer like this. She said, I don't. And it kind of just caught me off guard for a second. And she said, I, I don't do it all. It may look like I'm doing it all, but I'm not doing everything successfully. That means if I'm really succeeding at work and hitting stuff out of the park, I'm probably failing at home some. If I'm being the rock star mom and, you know, getting dinner made every night and get the kids everywhere where they need to go and nothing is amiss at home, I'm probably failing some at work. There's just no possible way to do it all. It is a myth. I guess it's possible to do it all, just not successfully. And I don't know, that really stuck with me because I do feel like as women and men, we try to balance so many different things and have this idea in our head that we're rocking it in every single way. When sometimes we really have to pick and choose things in our life that we want to focus on. If it happens to be a big thing at work, then you know, my family knows I'm going to need a little bit extra help at home. There's no way I can successfully be a rock star in every, every way and event in my life. And for me, that just helped me to think about that. And to know that that I don't have to be perfect. (laughs) in everything I do and that you know what if I'm going through a season in life where I just need to be home and focused on my family and not doing as much on social media not doing uh, as much crazy additional work at work then that's okay that's the season of my life that I'm in right now so maybe that'll help you too to think about that we don't have to be a rock star in everything and none of us can truly Do it all. So today, uh, talking about those things, but also about um, talking about faith today. One of my favorite pastors for a long time now has been Pastor Alistair Begg of Parkside Church, right here in my hometown of Bainbridge. And very fortunate to have him so close by. He's um, a world renowned pastor. Leads Truth for Life, a wonderful, wonderful, inspirational uh, podcast and ministry to belong to, to listen to. So I highly recommend Truth for Life. Um, But the new book that he has out is called "Brave by Faith: God Sized Confidence in a Post Christian World." And as soon as I saw the cover of this book and read you know, the description, I was like, I I have to read this book. And it's a very easy read, by the way. (laughs) And those of you who are quick readers could probably read it in a couple days or or even faster if you're a speed reader. But it really talks about and gives some parameters of what's going on with the world and as Christians, how we can live in it with having faith, (laughs) the God-sized faith that we need to have. And it really takes you through um, the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, and we've all probably heard Daniel in the lion's den, and uh, going into King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—all those stories—but to the depth that he goes in and relates them back to us and what's going on today is so profound. And it was very, it was very timely for me. I felt like I was searching for some type of um, guidance in what's going on all over the world. And I felt like this book and his teaching really helped me grasp God's word and kind of how to move on and how to have that God-sized confidence as a Christian. So we spoke, we meaning Len and I from the morning show spoke to Alistair about the book. And that is what you're going to hear today. I am going to just uh, leave that podcast how it was. Len and I both interviewed him, but I thought it was so good. I wanted to share it on this podcast as well. I would highly recommend the book. Again, it's called Brave by Faith, God-Sized Confidence in a Post-Christian World. I will link that below. Um, I'll also leave the information for the uh, transferring all your home movies because I do think that's a great idea. And before Father's Day, I think it's a really, really awesome idea or for any occasion. So I'll link both of those below. Oh, and I almost forgot, I got to give a shout out to Daisy Cake Cake Pops. Alistair and the team over at Truth For Life are going to be getting some customized cake pops. I always send them to all of my guests as just a thank you for being on Daisy Cakes. She's local, but she ships all around northeast Ohio. These amazing, even gluten free cake pops, um, good for any occasion. It's it's just wonderful. So you can check out her website. It's Daisy Cakes, but it's D-A-I-S-Y-C-A-K dot E S. She's on Instagram and Facebook and all of that all of that good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Pastor Alistair Bag. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pastor Bag.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this because my friends and I, we have these discussions all the time. Len and I talk about this stuff all, um, off air. And it, it, during one of the services, after I saw it pop up, this book called God's Sides Confidence and Post-Christian World." I'm like, that's what I need. That's what I need right now. And I read the book. And it really was exactly what I needed. I feel like you answered some of the questions that have been rolling through my mind as a Christian and my friends' minds. So I want to start off just a baseline here. Tell us about the book, why you decided to write it. I think what stands out to me a lot is that we typically hear the live by faith, walk by faith, but this book is called Brave by Faith. So kind of talk to that and why you decided to write the book.
2: Well, um, first of all, I did. I tried to expound Daniel, uh, all the chapters of Daniel, um, some years ago here, and uh, some of it was good, and some of it was not so good. Uh, But somebody said that the good parts might be worth considering as a as a possible book project, and so I did that as in response to that initiative anything that I've tried to do in print has always been as a result of someone suggesting it. I've never, you know, my son once said to me, why don't you write a book that somebody wants to read? And uh, so if somebody says they think they might like to read something, then that at least gets me started. Um, and we were struck by the fact that these uh, these young men living in a vastly different environment uh, were prepared uh, not only to hold the line in relationship to their convictions, but they were also so uh, such wonderful fellows that they grew within, their, within that alien culture to positions of influence, particularly Daniel. And so for him to live by faith, it was essential that he was going to have to be brave uh, because he was uh, threatened by the surrounding circumstances, even to the point of his, uh, of his own uh, life. And although we are not at the present time, at least in the States, um, in jeopardy of our own lives, we are increasingly threatened by a culture that is seeking to not simply undermine the things we believe, but to oppose them. And unless we are prepared to be brave, then we're probably going to collapse in the, in the onslaught that is uh, before us.
0: Uh, the book of Daniel was written thousands of years ago. People who are watching and listening to us right now to varying degrees may have a little familiarity with Daniel or maybe not at all. So if you could kind of connect those dots of uh, ancient Babylon compared to where we live today, these yeah. men who lived bravely uh, by God's standards thousands of years ago. How do you connect it? Because it, it seems like it could have been written today, really, the book of Daniel.
2: Yeah. Well, that's one of the features. That's the fascinating thing about the Bible. You know, uh, Paul at one point in writing to the church at Rome says the things that were written in the past were written for us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So in other words, the idea of a sort of uh Chronological arrogance, which is part and parcel of life today, which says, since we were born later than you, we understand things in the way that you old fogies don't understand them. So that, uh, the idea that, that we could really learn something from history and certainly from biblical history is, is not, uh, largely accepted. So the point, your question is good and it needs to be answered. And the way in which we're able to answer it is by simply allowing people to read this story. And they find out that here you've got these Jewish boys who are gathered up and swept away into Babylon as a result of the impact of those who were opposed to them. So what their parents thought about it, we don't know because we're not told. But we might have imagined that they would say, well, it's all over now. What are we going to do? They're not able to come with us to the equivalent of church. They're not, they don't have our support system. And here, what do we discover? That the things that had been grounded in them, that things that had become convictions for them, actually came to fruition in the context of opposition. And part of the part of the opportunity of today is simply that—that that, uh, you know, I often say to people, some of the circumstances today are are bad for our country, but they're probably good for the church mm-hmm. because now. The church has the opportunity to stand up and say, well, actually, we do have a very strong view about marriage. We do have a very clear view about human sexuality. We do actually have a conviction about the nature of truth and so on. And all of these things speak to the issues of the day. And uh, then someone can say, well, I never realized that about that old book. And um, hopefully it will cause them to read it.
1: Yeah, Uh, one of the most impactful portions of the book to me was right out of the gate in the beginning. It was so impactful. I was sitting on my couch and my husband was doing something in the kitchen. I'm like, stop right there. And I read him two whole pages. I'm like, you have to listen to this. And that was where you talked about drawing lines. You know, As Christians, we're going to be faced with a lot of challenges and probably more so in the future, just like Daniel did. And he He happened to draw his line with food, and you you go into that and why that was. But I feel sometimes it's I need help in discerning what those lines are going to be. And I love how you talked about that. I've been prayerfully thinking about where my lines are now. How should we think about drawing those lines as Christians? And I love that you point out that mine might be different than yours, depending where I work and stuff. Can you talk to that?
2: Well, you know, there are some lines that that we... That we don't have to debate. Okay. Um, let's take, for example, the nature of marriage that, um, it is a heterosexual, monogamous, a lifelong relationship. That's a line in our culture. Okay. Um, the, the, uh, the challenge of a Christian young person, of a teenager to uh, navigate their way in an entirely incontinent, uh, in, a, in a sexual world that is that is entirely incontinent, that it is just uh, standard practice uh, here 's a, here's a line. I might not be saying I only eat salad, uh, but we, we would be saying, uh, as far as i 'm concerned, um, sex is for me uh, within the framework that God intended that 's a line now, what about uh, schooling? Uh, are you going to send your children to a secular school given the challenges? Well, someone says yes, because if uh, God could look after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylon, he can sure look after my kids. Somebody else says, oh, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't go there if I were, you know. So that's a line that somebody may draw and another person may not. in which case we have to acknowledge That where things are absolutely crystal clear and there is no debate, there is no debate, but where there is the the potential for uh, responding in a different way, then we have to be gracious uh, to uh, our friends and, and neighbors. Because, you know, Jesus, you know, he prays to his father, he says, I don't pray that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So what do we have to do in order to be kept from the evil one? That's the challenge.
0: You know, one part of your book really stood out to me. Uh, We've lived in kind of a spoiled uh, status, I guess, here in America for some time as Christians. We've enjoyed favorable status and we're well accepted over the years in our culture and in popular culture and those sort of things. In the book, you say this, for a few hundred years in the West, we've been able to kid ourselves that the normal experience of God's people is to be considered respectable and honorable, to be able to voice our views in the public square and to be welcomed and to be able to speak to those in power and be listened to. But it wasn't that way basically in the past, and it's not going to be that way in the future. So have we been spoiled and has that changed forever?
2: Well, Uh, Yeah, we have been a little spoiled, I I think. Uh, um, You know, I came here in 83. We were on the the high tide of uh, Jerry Falwell and the moral majority, and we seem to be gaining in ascendancy. Uh, Those days are long uh, long behind us. Um, And I'm not sure that we have taken advantage of the privileges that we've enjoyed in that time. And so... Uh, perhaps in God's providence, he's decided that it would be better if, since we made didn't make much headway given the, uh, given the benefits, perhaps uh, his people will stand up and be counted uh, when the, the wind begins to turn against them. Uh, we, we have, I think, before us uh, two possibilities in, this, in, in our country, and that is a further slide into uh, spiritual malaise or that God would revive his work in, in the midst of these days, that suddenly, um, in ways that surprise us, but that will be unmistakable in the end, we realize that uh, uh, children are being born and young people are emerging from their uh, universities and they're beginning to take a stand, and eventually it becomes apparent that uh, The sound of the gospel is once again being heard. It's not the sound of a political agenda. It's not the sound of health, wealth, and happiness. It's the sound of of good news about what God has done for us in Jesus in order to set us free from the mess that we're in that he comes to deal with our brokenness, that he comes to repair our sadness and, and set us free from our, from the things that hold us in his grip. In other words, that we get out into the world and we tell him, look, how's your adventure going? And, and, and the fact is it isn't going that well. Well, we don't have to tell him say, Hey, come into old Boringville. No, we've got an adventure for you that will outstrip any adventure you can ever know. And, and so Instead of cowering, as it were, hiding behind a telephone box or something, uh, afraid to actually uh, say this. No, we've got a great story to tell, you know? So I
1: I want to talk about that, okay? So I want to talk about my job as a Christian and telling that story, because I think sometimes, myself included, when you're you know, around people who may not have the same views as you. I love my friends. I love them. And I may have different views. So how, how do we share our story? How do we share the gospel and what is our job as Christians?
2: Well, yeah, I can't remember who it was who said live, live so as to make people ask questions. You know, that, that is, that is a starting point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so for example, We get, and this may may seem extreme, but it's just in my mind, um, I get a cancer diagnosis and my friends expect me to respond in a certain way to say, oh, goodness, great, you know, whatever it is. And in the midst of all of that, I'm able to say, well, yeah, I'm thoroughly unsettled by this and uh, it's it's raised all kinds of questions in my mind and, and I don't know about this and I don't know about that. And they're waiting for the shoe to drop, and I don't let it drop. And they say, "But yeah, but what about your Christian faith?" Then I say, "Oh, I'm glad you asked about that because that makes a difference." And in what way does it make a difference? Um, in the business world, uh, you know, causing people to say, "Well, why, why are you? Why are you the, the way the way you are?" I noticed that when we were tearing somebody down the other day. Um, you know, she wasn't here. She was on a business trip, and everybody just slandered her something horrible. I I noticed that you never added to that conversation. Are you, are you above that? And the answer is no. I'm not above it at all. But I know that it's not a good thing to do. And in fact, the Bible. I was just reading the Bible the other day, and it says, you know, don't don't uh, become deceitful and make sure that you don't slander anybody. And I'm just trying to follow Jesus. But in, 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 instead of trying to Instead of the approach which says, you know, um, uh, you know have you ever read uh, Romans 3, 23? <laughs> you know, people say, no, I haven't read anything in ages. But, um, you know, the, the, the old, the old uh, line that we used to use in Scotland, I used to say to somebody, did you ever hear the story about a bad guy that went to heaven? And the person said, no, what are you talking about? Good people go to heaven. And I said No, it's a story about a bad man that went to heaven. Really? Tell me that story. You tell them the story of the thief on the cross. Good. Mm. Explain that bad people go to heaven. The idea is, I mean, amongst our, you know, a shared sort of uh, uh, demographic that we enjoy here, it, it, it's filled really with people who believe that a good God, if he exists, will reward nice people if they do their best. Mm-hmm. And so... um the idea is, you know, God is grading on the curve and there's a lot of really bad people in my neighborhood, so at least I might not get an A, but at least I can get through with a C And so somehow or another, we have to dismantle that for people and let them know that we are simultaneously sinful and at the same time set free from our sins, that we are who we are by the amazing grace of God. And it's not as a result of our endeavor to put on a religious um, uniform uh, to, um, to, to impress people. The, the reason that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were so impressive is just because of their convictions, and their convictions, uh, all of our convictions will come out in the end. I mean, nobody can know me without knowing that I love the English Premier League. They can never spend time in my company without knowing that I want Chelsea to beat Manchester City on Saturday. Uh, they don't have to prod that out of me. It's in me. Uh, now, what about where, how much is Jesus in you, Alistair? I mean, uh, do mm. people have to squeeze that out of you? Mm. Well, maybe they do. Then, Then you mean you like Chelsea more than Jesus? No, I don't think so. Well, come on.
0: Yeah, people today,
2: so with everything that's been
0: going on, people are shaken, they're fearful, they're depressed, they're worried, they're nervous, they're uncertain. One thing I picked up through the book of Daniel and through your book is this, that God is in control. God is in control. Uh, as a word of hope, could you talk about that?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, the idea the idea that, uh, you know, we are sort of bouncing around on the sea of chance, Uh, or that we're held in the grip of some blind deterministic force um, does not work with have a good day. And so it's not unreasonable for us to say to our friends, uh, do you realize that the God who made you is so interested in you that he sent his son in order that you might know him, love him, and serve him, in order that you might know where you came from and where you're going. In order that you might realize that Hemingway was wrong when he said, life is a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. The Bible challenges that entirely. It says you were purposefully made to know him and to love him, and despite the fact that we don't by nature know him and love him, he loves us so much that he comes and he pursues us because he wants us to be secure in his embrace. That story plays uh, because, as you say, uh, people's lives are upside down. They realize our world is broken and science sure hasn't fixed it and medicine isn't fixing it. Hey, how about the creator of the universe? How about giving him a chance? <laughs> it's
1: mm. wonderful. It's yes, wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This book has really made a big impact in my life, and I'll be sharing it with friends of mine because I know this is such a it's it's what everyone's talking about. I feel like and having you know this as a guide and to steer us back to God is in control, and the things we can do as Christians is super helpful. So, thank
2: you. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's uh, nice to get a chance to chat in this way. I appreciate it very much.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, that was an interview. Len and I did my co-host on 95.5 The Fish, which by the way, you can listen to every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. And it was just such a good conversation. I wanted to share it over on my podcast as well. And i uh, I just try to have a different variety of different episodes and everything still having the baseline of making your tomorrow better. Next week, I'm really excited about the guest that we're going to have. If any of you have ever had sleep issues or want to get better sleep, I have one of the top experts in the country. Um, he's a sleep doctor and he'll be on next week. Um, or the week after, depending on when I get it posted. But just keep an eye out and check out some of the previous episodes. Um, Also have uh, some other really cool people coming on soon. So just, I love that you listen and I hope you enjoy. And if you could do me a big, big favor and in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, if you love the podcast, just submit feedback that you do. And I can't stress enough how much it means to me that um, you're listening and that you care and that hopefully it provides value in your life. So have an awesome week. Again, thanks for sharing your time with me.